brought to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia. Welcome to another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for accessing us however you are doing so, large device or small, within the confines of your home or remotely on your favorite device. This one's a little different this time. Uh, I get to sit in the Hannah chair. Commander Sandy is staring at me sitting in the Hannah chair because Hannah is hanging out with her twins, as she should. She's hanging out with her the husband, John, and the twins, and making sure that their transition into Georgia high school football and, and covering it on a daily basis, uh, Sandy, is what it should be. It is a gradual process. You have the twins there here in the off season, making sure that you ramp up their knowledge and their coverage. By the time we get to August, both the twins and Hannah are ready to go. What do you what do you think? Is that a safe play? Yeah, I think that's very safe. I think uh, I've seen all the beautiful pictures uh, over social media of the twins. No so doubt. I think she yeah, she's getting them ready, you know. They'll be they'll be in in game shape by August, I think. Yeah. So with uh, Hannah not here, we've decided to go a little different. And we're going to cover the Roman numeral classic, Super Bowl 56 out in Los Angeles, where it's a home game for the Los Angeles Rams as they get to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. And I know that there are a lot of connections with Georgia high school football. C.J. Uzoma comes to mind, the big tight end for the Bengals, who says he is not going to miss the biggest game of his football career because he was injured in the AFC Championship game. He says he's not going to miss this one. C.J. has been a part of our coverage for basically the last decade from his time at North Gwinnett. But we're going to focus on the other sideline and catch up and find out kind of about the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. This one should be a good one. Matt Stewart, the play-by-play voice of Football Fridays in Georgia here at Georgia Public Broadcasting, is going to hang out with us in a little bit, and we get to catch up with his coach, with Sean McVay's coach from his time at Marist. Alan Chadwick is our big guest this week when it comes to the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. So as a bit of a setup, we're going to look back at the junior and senior seasons of Sean McVay through our eyes here at Georgia Public Broadcasting and some help from our friends at Fox 5 Atlanta. We got to broadcast the semifinals and the finals and the higher classifications in the early 2000s, and we got to have moments like this at the Georgia Dome. Sean McVay chasing after six points. Third and four from the 12. McVay will keep it. McVay at the 10. McVay at the 5. He's in for the touchdown. Sean McVay, the senior, doing what he does best, and Maris answers on their third straight third down conversion. You know, Sean McVay is a 4-5 guy. He ran that like he's 4-3. He really turned the corner. Well, talking to the Maris coaches, they said not only is this kid talented, but he's the smartest football player that they've ever seen. He loves to hold the football and make it happen. And so, of course, when you're the smartest football player they've ever seen, here's a piece of trivia for you. Calvin Johnson was playing at the same time that Sean McVay was down at Sandy Creek High School. The answer to who was the Georgia High School Player of the Year senior season was not Calvin Johnson. It was Sean McVay for plays like this. I talked to some of the coaches of the Marist uh, sideline prior to the game, and they said simply... They think Sean McVay is the number one player in the state. His knowledge to run this option offense, that's unprecedented. And we'll get into that discussion with Marist head coach Alan Chadwick coming up in just a little bit and what it takes to master 
this particular kind of offense. So fast forward a little bit to McVay's time as the head coach for the Los Angeles Rams. First time he was the head coach for the Rams in a Super Bowl. Our friends over at WAGA-TV, Fox 5 in Atlanta, decided to test Sean McVay's memory. And here's what Justin Felder found out about it. We got War Eagles head coach Alan Chadwick to give us some plays to test McVay's memories. Oh, geez. Here, I knew this would be where we would go. Play number one, 3 against Shaw High School. Third round of the playoffs, the go-ahead touchdown. Wham naked. That was a uh, hard run action fake. He comes to the sideline. He wants to call Wham naked. Coordinator and I look at each other, just kind of shrug our shoulders and say, okay, go with it. Chris Davis, Chili Davis did an excellent job selling it and walked right in where, you know, I think anybody could have made that play based on the sell that our offensive line and in our backs had. Does this look about right? It looks about right, man. That's a good look. There's some good circles, too. All right, play number two. 2003 Southwest Cab season opener, second quarter on your 38. They runs the option. You were up 14 to nothing. Yeah, it's an offset gun. We called it fake 38, and it was an, an option to the left on the left sideline. McVay's still on his feet. Right, going for a perfect three for three. This is the tough one. This is the really tough one. 2003, Thomas County Central. They beat you a couple times, right? They did. In a row, this is the state semis down 14-7, 42-yard line, 24 seconds left. What do you remember? Rollout pass right. Anderson Russell caught it for a big touchdown. Kind of got tipped at the, actually, but he was running a wheel route down the right sideline. Run something like this, and then the trail right there. But on this particular case, because of the pressure and all the avoiding things that he had to do, he had to redirect, end up throwing it right to about the two-yard line on the last play of the first half. You skipped the best part. What's that? What happened to you on the sideline? Oh, I got waylaid, too. And we had that game on Georgia Public Broadcasting from the Georgia Dome. Here's our version of how that play against Thomas County Central happened under the big top. Second and 16, 30 seconds to go, rolling out McVay. He's in trouble. They'll string him out. McVay trying to get outside, trying to get outside. He'll throw it down the field. He's got a man wide open. Touchdown! Wow, Anderson Russell somehow got behind the secondary and the War Eagles come up with a huge play. And if you were listening closely to the Justin Felder piece that, that we just ran, you might have heard a familiar voice. Southwest DeKalb and, and Marist, play number two, had this guy calling play-by-play -play of that game. Matt Stewart, the play-by-play -play voice of Football Fridays in Georgia here at GPB, called Sean McVay. As a Marist quarterback, all that long time ago, what was it like? Yeah. What was it like, Matt, to to see Sean McVay work that offense? Well, uh, to be honest with you, I could not, for the life of me, uh, remember calling that game. And you had to show me the clip, <laughs> and indeed, it is my voice <laughs> on that game, Marist and Southwest Cab, yeah, Southwest Cab from CSS days. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't remember it for the life of me. And, um, I mean, I've seen video of Sean McVay run that offense. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't – and I know that I called some of his games. He was just – I mean, he was a, a great option quarterback. He was a great option quarterback and ran that option perfectly. And, obviously, we've detailed how smart he is. And he mm -hmm. doesn't forget plays. I forget games. He forgets. He doesn't forget <laughs> a play. I forget whole games. You and, and me season. both, brother. So, I mean, he's remembering specific plays within a game 20 years ago, and I can't even remember that whole season. But, um, yeah, he's pretty phenomenal and, obviously – uh, that's reflected in the fact he's back in the Super Bowl again. 
and he's I, I, I was listening to sports talk radio. I know, shame on me, but I was listening to sports talk radio, uh, and someone made a comment that I thought was pretty funny. Uh, everything that Sean McVay breathes on, <laughs> you know, gets, you know, all of a sudden that guy, his coordinators, his assistant coaches, yeah. you know, are golden. Uh-huh. They're the guys that are coveted. They're the guys that people want to hire. Well, and I mean, if you think about Sean, it's a guy with amazing recall, but, you know, and we have Alan Chadwick coming on a little later on here in the show, but to run that offense, regardless of who you are, to run that Alan Chadwick veer where the guy has the the old buck and a quarter quarter staff that, you know, from the old Daffy Duck cartoon where he anticipates that he has to drop that, that big wooden staff between the back heel of the quarterback and the three-point stance of the A-back to make sure the spacing is correct, first and foremost, mm-hmm. but to have a quarterback like that that can run that offense that is so precise and do it so well, I mean, it's it's um, you've got to have the right guy to do it, and Sean McVay was that guy in 02 and 03. He was, and that's the thing that's you know phenomenal. I know we're talking about Sean McVay, but also just about the Marist program and running that offense is precision and the timing of that offense. I know people look at that and they say, Oh, it's so old school. Nobody runs that anymore. Uh, and that's not because it's, it's, it's not because it's not a great offense. It's because a hard offense. Mm-hmm. It's hard because the precision and the timing has to be such. It's hard to teach. It's hard to teach that discipline. And quite frankly, you've got to have guys in your program a long time, you know, from middle school, in order to be able to run it at the precision and timing level that is needed to be a state championship contender. And he's a guy who is calling his own plays. He's, he's having conversations with Coach Etheridge and Coach Chadwick, and he's like, well, why don't we do this? Here's a guy doing mm-hmm. that in high school, and he's dialing yep. up the right plays. Well, when you've got somebody in there who's smart, like he is, uh, and – I mean, really, quite honestly, we just don't see enough of that anymore, whether it be the quarterback uh, in high school, college, or the pros, or the catcher in high school, college, or the pros making their own calls. But really, honestly, who better to make those decisions as to what's the best play to run than the person who's actually in the middle of the fray, who's right there and sees so much better and so much more than the coach or even the OC can see from up in the press box because he's right there at the line of scrimmage and he can look across and he can see what's happening. He feels the timing. He feels the precision of it. And we've gotten away from that. We've taken that decision-making ability away from our quarterbacks in high school and away from our quarterbacks in college. And the same thing with catchers in high school and in college. And it does them a great disservice when they're quite – Frankly, they're just as capable of uh, of doing it as the guys in the old days were. But, you know, we've got so much coach control anymore. But it does take it. Not everybody can do it. And coaches have taken this responsibility because, quite frankly, they've got guys in the position who can't quite handle it. Well, McVeigh was a guy that obviously could handle it and could go to Coach Etheridge, could go to Coach Chadwick and say, hey, you know what, we ought to run this play. So then let me ask you this. When it comes to the success that he's had 
as quickly as he has had it, and I mean that you know chronologically. Yes, he's in his late thirties, but you know he's been a coach for fifteen years, and in his limited time mm-hmm. as being a head coach with the LA Rams, he's been to two. He's going to have been in two Super Bowls. Does this surprise you that Sean McVay has been as successful as he has, and I mean that in accomplishments and getting head coaching jobs, his progression, has his progression surprised you at all? The progression only surprises you because of the age thing, because we naturally assume that it takes X amount of time in order to do these things. So that's where the, you know, that's where, that's where the surprise comes in, but really it isn't, it really isn't about age and it really isn't about experience from the standpoint of you've got to log this number of years it's the experience comes from being in it and living it knowing it coaching it so you know a guy his age certainly can have enough experience to be there and live it and know it and you have to understand that you know mcveigh's progression goes all the way back who knows how far it actually goes back with his roots in the National Football League from his grandfather, Mm -hmm. you know? So who knows how long this kid has actually been absorbing and soaking in the game, maybe even before consciousness, before (laughs) consciously knew he was doing it, he was doing it already. And he's just got so much in him, you know, from, from before a formal teaching standpoint. He was learning the game long before, you know, while most of us were still playing wiffle ball, and he was probably still playing wiffle ball with his buddies, he was already absorbing and learning and knowing the game. So let me uh, ask this. When it comes to the Roman numeral classic this weekend, what kind of a game are you expecting? Well, I mean, I I think it's going to be a great game. uh, But, I, you know, we always go on to almost every Super Bowl thinking it's going to be a great game, and sometimes it isn't and sometimes it is. But I don't see any reason why. (laughs) You have Steven Guskowski outscoring his own team in a Super Bowl with his offense. You'll end up with that kind of points. No, I mean, I I think think it should be a great game with great storylines because – you, you know, I mean, Joe Burrow and what and what what Coach Taylor, Zach Taylor's been able to do with the Bengals in a short amount of time and turning that franchise around. It's a great story. We've seen them go on the road and win. They went to Kansas City down 18, looked like they were dead in the water. They got that one stop right there. And I even tweeted this, you know, when they got that stop at the goal line and the Chiefs, you know, flubbed up the last opportunity to score there when, you know, they didn't score the touch, much, much less did they not score a touchdown. They didn't get three out of it, and that turned out to be a huge deal at the end of the game because it went to overtime. You know, So to be down like they were and to come back and win, uh, and it wasn't just about their offense. It was about their defense, too, figuring out what it took to stop the Kansas City Chiefs. Will they be able to do the same thing against the L.A. Rams? Will they have been able to do it up to this point? Uh, so yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think it will be a great game and I, and I haven't even made a decision yet as to who I think, you know, is going to win. I know the Rams are favorites. Uh, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't dived into it far enough to make a, make that all important decision as to who's going to be <laughs> the team I think is going to win the Super Bowl. And that is an important decision as we all know, Yes. Uh, you know, we, 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 we got to hold out and study everything and figure it out. Although I'm sure I don't know that anything's going to change between now and Super Bowl Sunday, but I just haven't made my decision yet. 
Matt Stewart, play-by-play voice of Football Fridays in Georgia here at GPB, getting to share experiences with me, considering that we've seen Sean McVay as a high school quarterback, and we're now seeing him as a successful NFL coach. Thanks for hanging out with us on the show. We'll catch up with you soon because it never really I'll say stops. One more, I Go will, for it. I will, I, I will say one more thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I find the the L.A. Rams very unrootable because I'm a longtime Atlanta Falcon. Oh, uh, you're going all NFC to, West material. I, I see remember it. how they used to pummel and destroy see and this humiliate working. The Atlanta Falcons, but yeah, you got Sean McVay, you got Matthew Stafford, you got Leonard Floyd, uh, you got um, uh, what Sony Michelle, yeah, um, no, no, uh, yeah, 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 so, yeah. Sony Michelle's there too. You know, you got all these former connections to, you know, if not the state of Georgia, but through the Georgia Bulldogs, that it at least make them a little bit more rootable. I'm not going to ever say that I like the LA Rams. It's hard to say that because they've inflicted too much damage. <laughs> On my Spoken as someone who was raised in the Atlanta area in the days of the old NFC West. Exactly. So, yeah, but, I mean, they make them rootable. Stafford and McVay make them rootable for me. Be good, my friend. We'll catch up soon. Yes, sir. John, it's been it's been fun going back, listening to all these clips uh-huh. and, and reminiscing about this. Yep. Uh, you know, I have to admit, listening to that, there was one clip that did catch my attention. Oh? Yeah. Jake, you got that one? Solid first half, great decision making by Sean so far. Well, he's doing a great job. I just hope he can keep it up second half. There's a long way to go. Now let's talk about Sean a little bit. He took a shot to the hand with a face mask. How is he physically? He's fine. He's the toughest kid we got, and he's the best one we got, and he's going to be back out there this half. So let, let's see. Um, that would have been that, smooth. Well, that's you got to have you got to have a, a third question ready for Alan Chadwick sometimes. So you, you've got to be ready to go rapid fire because that's what he'll give you in return. Let me see if I can remember. That had to have been in my Johnny Cash stage, I believe. <laughs> black suit, black shirt, Jerry Garcia tie, if I'm not mistaken. You were looking and sounding good. Okay. But Just, what? It, oh, what was that? Oh, two. So you were in high school? What, uh, yeah, no. Middle school? No, I was not. Not by <laughs> any stretch of the imagination. No, Sean McVay was in high school. I was not. <laughs> Simply put. Uh, I probably just had had a haircut leading into the, the semifinals, so I probably had as much hair then after a haircut as I do now naturally 20 years later. So, no, uh, that, yeah, that, <laughs> that's a good pull. See, uh, send, send any and all clip ideas to Commander Sandy here at GPB and go. Jake the Snake for, for pulling that one out. That was a good flashback. You remember that game at all? Do you, remember, do you no. remember? No. I mean, I remembered when I, got, when I went back to look at the 0-2 game as we were looking at clips, I remembered doing the post-game interview with Ed Pilcher at Thomas County Central after they won 35-34. And the, the quote where, he, where I mentioned, it's like, you know, why'd you go for two? Where Pilcher goes, yeah, I'm tired and I want to go home. That's what I remember about that game. It was an amazing game. It was so back and forth. But, yeah, just the, the frankness of Ed Pilcher, who knew he was in a battle in overtime. Yeah, I'm tired. I want to go home when you have something like that. And I, I remember 2003. And I'll be sure to bring this up with, uh, with Coach Chadwick coming up around the corner. J- for those of you that, that don't know, and I'll make this short. This is story time with John for this week. 
when you when you're at Hugh Spalding Stadium on the campus of Marist, the Marist School, it literally it's in a holler. the The stadium is off the side of a hill, and literally when the wind comes in one side and goes out the other, you feel it. I mean, it was that game against Statesboro in two thousand three when they won the championship game. You felt it, and I mean, it was. I had to go sit in the car and thaw out. But I will definitely ask Coach Chadwick about that coming up. Here in just a little bit, but now that was a fun poll. See, this is what happens when you can subscribe to the GPB Sports YouTube channel and you can find things, or when you have the tape library that we have, I can get uh, I can get to reminisce about things that are twenty years old, and I'm not talking about my suit. Yeah, you want to uh, bring in our final guest here? Sounds good. Yeah, it's time for the our final guest, and it is a fantastic guest, Alan Chadwick, the head coach of the Marist War Eagles, who gets to reminisce about Sean McVay. Now it's time to catch up with the man who knows Sean McVay better than any of us, Marist head coach Alan Chadwick. Coach, thanks for hanging out with us on the podcast here, Super Bowl week. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Enjoy being here. All right, so let me let me go back. We we show we've in this particular episode leading up to you, we've done some of the highlights from 2002 and 2003 leading into this interview with you. What was your first impression of Sean? Well, he you know he didn't play seventh grade football. Uh, he started playing in the eighth grade, and uh, I don't remember a whole lot about him back at that level, but I just know at the ninth grade, he just started to show signs of of athleticism, uh, explosivity. Uh, he could, he could, it's extremely quick. He'd always played a lot of soccer growing up, so he was very good with his feet and very quick and athletic. So that was the first real inclination that I had that he was going to be a pretty decent player. You always worry about his size. He was not real big. Um, but then moving into the uh, sophomore year, uh, he became a, a player force in the secondary and started in the secondary force as a sophomore. So um, just a, just an extremely quick, athletic, intense, knowledgeable player as well. You mentioned intense and knowledgeable, and for me, with the offense that you've run, you have to be almost a three-dimensional thinker to grasp what you want and make sure that your decision-making in in the veer is what it is because it's snap decisions and you have to monitor basically three separate things going on at any given time, and you've got to have somebody who's got a lot between the ears to manage the quarterback position for you. No question, because... They can, you know, defenses can align, overshift, overplay a certain play, and then you've got to be able to check and get out of it and go the opposite way or even change the play completely to something else. And he was capable of doing that, and um, he was just very adept at that because he grew up around football, and he grew up with his dad, had played football, and, of course, his grandfather and, and all that. So he was very adept at being a you know a coach on the field for us, and that that came to light in numerous occasions. Well, do you remember the first time that happened where he said suggested something, and you're like, okay, that's that's an interesting suggestion. We'll go ahead and run with it. Well, I can remember that in the senior year when we were playing Shaw for the semifinal game out here. Um, we had driven down; we were behind by about four points. We'd driven down to about the three yard line and ran a couple of plays and kind of got stuffed and called a timeout. 
And uh, Sean came over to the sideline, and myself and Paul Lethbridge, our offensive coordinator, just kind of looking at each other and talking about a couple different plays and scenarios. And Sean says, let's run naked boot. So Coach Etheridge and I looked at each other and said, okay, sugar head, say, all right, go with it. And so naked boot was just a, a, a front-out wham play where he just uh, faked the off-tackle power play to two backs leading through and the, and, the, and the running back, faking back. And then he just keeps on his hip and then boots out the back door. He went in completely untouched. The entire Shaw defense had just flown to the other side of the ball, pursued to the point of attack, and even the corner from the backside was completely fooled. And uh, Sean just kind of walked in the end zone, held above, above his head, and we were able to win the game. So <laughs> it's just a – you know, he just had a feel for what, where everybody was and what they were doing and what they might do. And, and he, it, it kind of has that same feel going on today, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. I'll get into that in just a little bit, but let's talk about 2002 and 2003, his junior year and his senior year. What was it like there on campus for Marist football? Uh, I, I know that the 2002 season ended in that absolute instant classic with you and Thomas County Central where Ed Pilcher just basically said, I went for two because I was tired and I wanted to go home. Right, and then right. you guys beat Statesboro in '03 for the title, the the last one that you got before 2021. What were those two seasons like with him at the helm? Well, um, very enjoyable because we knew we had some good teams both of those two years. We had a pretty talented squad, both offensively and defensively. Uh, we just could never stop Thomas County Central uh, on the defensive side because they were so good on offense, um, running the split back there, and. Um, and Sean was a leader for us. I mean, he was the one that everybody looked to and looked up to and gravitated towards. Uh, he was a leader from the start, and um, he had a couple exceptional years. And then that uh, his senior year, we were able to finally beat Thomas County Central in the in the uh, in the dome, and uh, and then go on and win the state championship the next week with with Sean. And Sean actually in the state championship game broke his <clears throat> broke his foot and was limping through the whole fourth quarter. We were barely hanging on and um he was gutting it gutting it out with a broken foot and was just hobbling around all over the field and uh we were very fortunate to be able to hold on and, and not have to uh score late or something like that because it would have been very tough to do would be very difficult to do with him banged up the way he was. Especially when it was 74 below zero in that valley that was Hughes Spalding that night. That I specifically remember was how I cold did, it was. I, I didn't think, I didn't feel a thing. I, was, <laughs> I, I didn't feel a thing. Winning titles will do that, yeah? Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I just remember after the game and all the celebration going on, the snow was coming down. So that was, you know, it was a pretty unique uh, setting right there for us. When he went to college and uh, you know, when he was a quarterback in the MAC, did you did you sense a career path for him where he was going to be a, a coach that was going to be basically on a rocket ship for promotions and, and people getting to see his knowledge base to where he would be very successful at a very young age? Did you see that? No, not really. Um, you know, he went to school up in Ohio, at Miami, Ohio, and and. That's a long distance away. We don't see a whole lot of their games on TV. 
so it was, was kind of like he kind of fell off the map for us a little bit, you know. Some of the other coaches stayed in touch with him. Um, but he played receiver. He didn't play quarterback. Right. He moved to receiver. And uh, you could never expect anybody to be on a rocket ship the way he's been and and reach the level that he's reached in such a short period of time. Um, I don't think anybody could have foreseen that. Yes, he had great skills and great vision as a quarterback and a great leadership abilities. Uh, he had the total package. But so many of our kids don't really go into coaching, you know. They're more on a on a business adventure to try to get out in the world and make money, and he was able to parlay uh, coaching into making money at the same time. So <laughs> we're very, very happy for him. Is he still on your speed dial, and are you still on his speed dial on your cell phones? Yes, very much so. Uh, I don't bother him very much. I did reach out to him and text him after that um, um Come, but come from behind win that they had to kick late um, in the NFC championship game or the, the um, wild card game, whatever it was. And then um, then last week after um, – actually, it was just last Friday. I reached out to him and said, hey, good luck. Go finish the drill. We're all, we're all pulling for you here from Marist. So, and then he texted back about a day and a half later. So, uh, yeah, it was um, – he, he's very appreciative. Uh, he did come back last spring to receive an alumni award. And he also spoke at our graduation to our seniors last year. So it was great to have him back. And a lot of his buddies came back for that as well. As a matter of fact, during that, um, that NFC championship game last week against, um, uh, who were they playing? San Francisco. San Francisco. Uh, showed up his dad up in the box. Yep. And there were five of his high school buddies up in the box with him. All the Ashcody boys, Chris uh, Davis, Chris Card. I mean, they're all up in there having a, a heck of a time and uh, just being so excited for, for the Rams and for Sean. What was the first piece of advice that you gave him as a coach, not necessarily as a player, but coach to coach? What was the first piece of advice that you gave him that you think stuck? Well, um, I don't really know that I actually did. I mean, it wasn't like he came to me and said, Coach, I'm thinking about getting into coaching. He had con- contacts and connections all over the country. And um, I can just remember he went into um, the NFL for the first year because he, he knew the Grudens. And then he went into the Arena League for a couple of years and then went back with one of the Grudens at Washington. So, um, he had his own plan, uh, his own portfolio, if you will, about what he wanted to do. And uh, I don't think there's anything that I could have told him that would have made any kind of a difference one way or the other. Um, he, he was he was on a fast track to get into the NFL. And I, I think that's what he really wanted to do. And, and uh, I think it's pretty obvious that he's the right man suited for the right job. What do you think his Marist legacy is? I would just say his his leadership ability, his ability to have everybody rally around him and believe in him. We had we we even had players who wanted him to be the starting quarterback as a sophomore, and I kind of 
fought back on that because we had a senior that I felt like deserved that opportunity. And uh, uh, so when he's a sophomore and could be playing over a senior, uh, I think that speaks pretty highly of what, how much everybody believed in him, both coaches and players. And, uh, you know, when you look at what he's doing there, his energy, his enthusiasm, his knowledge, his uh, repertoire of remembering plays, mm-hmm. formations, and situations and all that is just extraordinarily off the chart. I mean, and I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, but I can, I can you know, I can remember a few plays here and there, but not like not to the extent that he can. Well, and we ran the uh, the piece that was put together by our friends over at Fox Five with Justin Felder from Media Day uh, a couple of years ago when the Super Bowl was here in Atlanta, and you gave Justin those ideas for you know down situation and the end result. And Sean's recall is <laughs> it's insane. Because yeah, he knows yeah. exactly what the play was and the result was, and he has it's almost like a, a photographic memory of the playbook and the play, and that's just that's unheard of. I know, I know, and I mean, and and I've got those films, and I look at them over and over from time to time, and things like that, and I still can't pull all that together. So, I wish I had that kind of recall. When it comes to an individual like Sean, what do you think? I asked about his legacy, but. At the same time, what do you think the message is for anyone who is in high school of a certain age who may not be the tallest, he may not be the the strongest, he may not be the fastest, but he's one of the smartest guys out there. What do you think the message is for someone who sees a Sean and can be that? What do you think what do you think that message can be when you see a Sean McVeigh and see his level of success to other high schoolers considering he came back and talked to Marist? Well, it just um, I would say that just to, to, to give it all you've got, you know, to work hard every single day, and that's what Sean did. I mean, he was a, a complete athlete that worked extremely hard, uh, wasn't just talented and gifted on the field, but he, he produced himself into a, a really good player. The explosion, the quickness, his workouts in the weight room, he was very intense in everything that he did, and he always gave 100% in practice, in workouts, in games. Um, he never held anything back. And, and I think that's the legacy that he's, uh, the, the impression of the legacy that he's left with me is just his overall intensity and his work ethic and his drive to be successful was just uh, practically unmatched. We have a lot of kids that have that same kind of thing, but, but he, certainly he was one of a kind when it comes to those attributes. So do I even dare ask uh, what you think the the score is going to be this weekend? Oh, I don't know. I, I you know, you can't ever count Cincinnati out with the way they're playing. You can't count Joe Burrow out. <clears throat> He's a phenomenal athlete. He's going to be around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And they just seem to find a way. Uh, I think it's going to come down to you know Matthew Stafford's going to have to play very well. He's going to take care of the ball, protect it. Uh, and I think if they do that, then they got a chance to win by 10, 10, 12, 14 points or so. So, so the, the most important question that I have here in this interview is my last one. Are you going? <laughs> no, but I told somebody, if, if Sean wins one, gets one under his belt, 
and he comes back to another one a third time, I'm definitely going to reach out and demand a ticket on that third time. <laughs> let's, let, let's let him get the monkey off his back first before I put that pressure on Well, Coach, it's fantastic to catch up with you and get all this insight about a very special quarterback for you and a very special person, not just a quarterback there at Maris. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast, letting everybody know what uh, what makes Sean McVay tick and what he's meant to the program. Thanks for coming on with us. Thank you, John. I appreciate all you do for high school football. Very cool stuff from Alan Chadwick. That was that was cool to be able to to catch up with Coach Chadwick and sit there and and kind of break everything down from Sean's beginnings to uh, you know playing on defense and being one of the top defensive players in the state to where he was as a quarterback. That was very cool. Very interesting. Yeah, uh, just great insights and amazing that he remembers all the things that he remembers. I know, I know we talk about <laughs> McVeigh and his sort of photographic memory, but. You know, that guy's been around a long time. Okay, and so here's the math. I did the math on this. And so looking at Alan Chadwick right now when it comes to Georgia high school football coaches, win-loss record of 409-75, and second all-time on the list, winning percentage of 84.5%, an 845 winning percentage. Larry Campbell, the legendary head coach at Lincoln County, 477-85 and in his tenure, winning percentage 847 yeah, Amazing. so that two one thousandths of a percentage point separating those two, and sixty eight wins. Did I do that right? Seven nine from seventy seven to sixty eight. I do the math right. Okay, so sixty eight wins. Alan Chadwick to catch up with Larry Campbell. Sixty nine to be the all time winningest head coach in the state of Georgia, and I'm looking forward to seeing how far Alan Chadwick can go. It'll be fun. It'll be fun to see. Yeah, how far. So, he goes. All right. So uh, let me open up everybody's mic. Get Super Bowl predictions here. Before we go, and all right, so Commander Sandy, since your mic is open first, uh, give me a Super Bowl prediction here. That's a tough one. I do like Joe Burrow, I have to admit. It's just fun, fun to watch, you know, and, and his receivers. I mean, they're they're fun to watch, but uh, I don't know. I think it, L.A. Being, being there before, I think it's their time. So I, I, I'm going to go with L.A. I don't think um, – 27-21? I was going to say, I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored yeah. in the first half. I think it's going to be in the second half. Snake, what do you think? <laughs> so he's hiding. He's not, I was going to say, Jake, where's, the, where's your mic? On the mic. That's the beauty of these things. <laughs> so he, so he's he, sticking with the Falcons. He's sticking with the Falcons. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, story time with John before we go real quick. Uh, I was in Boston. For the Falcons Patriots Super Bowl. I was catching up with a friend of mine because I know we're in that week. We're in Super Bowl week. Catching up with a high school friend of mine. So the boss and I go up to Boston and it was one of the wildest social experiments I've ever had. Seeing the Super Bowl with the Patriots and the Falcons from Boston because we were up there for the the, uh, college hockey tournament, the Bean Pot which is a bucket list item and honestly should be for anybody and everybody. But we were up there to see the social experiment happen, go from that, that magic number that no one likes to repeat as a Falcons fan to the other result. But anyway, that was one of the coolest things. Since we're in Super Bowl week, I'm a, I, you know, I have to go with the Rams here. I honestly do. I think that it's going to be something in the low 20s. I think you're right. I think it's going to be somewhere in the probably at 27, 21 range. I don't know what the, the total is in front of me, but I'll go with that. But, yeah, I think that the, the Rams win, and I think that they probably 
Well, it'll be more than the three and a half that we're looking at right now on the board. So I'll go with the Rams. I'll say the nice thing and go with the Rams in this one because I want Sean to get one, and I want kind of Coach Chadwick to get one by six degrees of separation here. I want I want him to have that association with the Super Bowl champ. Yeah, I think that's a good good call. All right, so we're off for the remainder of the month, and we're coming back next month, right? Yes. Okay, and then we'll come up with all kinds of various topics and things like that to talk about over the spring and summer to get you ready because – High school football here is 24-7, 365. It does not stop, and neither do us here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. So, like, friend, be a part of the conversation for the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. Knock it down on your favorite podcatcher. Reserve it so when you have new podcasts for anything here at Georgia Public Broadcasting, you can do that. You can mark it, and you'll know when that happens. So it's it's Facebook. It's Twitter. It's Instagram. Have I missed, missed any other social medias? It's just those three? Oh, and the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can see everything else that's going on here at GPB. So for Commander Sandy, for Outlaw Jesse, for King James, for Jake the Snake, and Mr. Wonderful, Michael Harris. That's another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast, Super Bowl edition. Enjoy the Roman numeral classic, folks, from Los Angeles. Play it safe, everybody. We'll see you next time. to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia.